Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. One question as an adoption worker that I get asked, it's pretty frequent, and we're using these podcasts as a platform to get information out there to educate the society of what all aspects of adoption are like, is does it put pressure on family members? And I would say that, you know, the working adoption community behind the scenes what we're exposed to, the truth, the myths, and more is really something that we need to dive into because adoption isn't just a birth mother, a baby, and an adoptive family. It takes a community. And Ron, you know this better than anybody else because your evenings and weekends and lifestyle is interrupted just as much as our household is. Right, constantly. I mean, when constantly. And what's funny is, as, as we've shared before, um, not only is, you know, Lisa, the attorney for, for building our sort of families, but you're also my brother-in-law. And so when, when we have a mom that delivers, it's like, you know, everything. Falls. <laughs> right. Yeah. That family gathering, we were going to do the picnic in the park, uh, that all gets put on hold, but everybody understands it because they're all involved. <laughs> right. 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 It's, it's true. Uh, so as we begin this this podcast, I want to emphasize, I, I'm speaking from my personal experience. I know, Ron, you're speaking from your personal Absolutely. experience, as well as the opinions and stories from adoption colleagues and coworkers that have been shared with me. When I'm hiring a new social worker for the adoption agency, I describe it, working in the adoption field as the best and worst job you'll ever have. And even calling it a job is really a loose term because it really becomes a lifestyle, a passion, a mission, an all-consuming force. <laughs> and that doesn't ever stop. And you're laughing because you know how true. Because I'm in this force, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. When you work in the adoption world, it's an emotional roller coaster. Time is no longer your own. You do formulate beliefs. And, and they become rock solid. You become resolute. And not only do you become resolute, but those that you love and care about around you, you want them to adopt the same passion with the velocity that you have. Mm -hmm. You want, you know, you want everybody to get on that bus 
and be shouting out the windows because <laughs> this has become your all. Yeah. This is, you know, an, another child per se mm-hmm. is, is, is what it is like working in the adoption world. And as, as the director of the agency and having been adopted, you know, I guess mine's twofold. So, you know, our poor children are just you know, exposed to this times two. <laughs> and I have had workers over the last now 16 years that have, have been in the agency for, you know, five years, six years, and it, it sometimes becomes too much. It's more than they can stand and it's affecting their family members and, And then I have my lifers, you know, the ones that have been with us. And I don't think, you know, I could get out the door if I wanted to, because this is, this is their, their whole existence. Um, So in talking about this, I I thought it would be really fun to, to kind of dive into it and help people understand why it is the way that it is. The excitement, the emotional roller coaster, when you're working with a woman who is placing a baby for adoption even as a trained social worker who has worked with many women, you do get, I don't want to say sucked in, but you do get drawn into her emotions because you care. That's why we're social workers. This is not for the paycheck, obviously. It is because we love what we do and we want to help others. We want, we really want to help when when they're having a hard day and you're getting a text at nine o'clock at night, it's not that you can just put your phone away. You know, it's, it's, you have to respond, right. not because the job says you have to, but because, because you, you care. have and you care and you want to make sure she's okay. An example, uh, last night I was watching uh, a new series with one of my sons and I was texting uh, a new mom that was coming into our program mm-hmm. And actually this week she's coming in and we were texting back and forth. And my son was saying, this is, you know, this is our date time. Like, can, do you have to be on the can phone? And of course it was really respectful and everything. And, and I said, I'm so sorry, but I do like, this is, this is our lifestyle. And, and he, and he knew, and, you know, and it stopped there in terms of the questions, because as much as we want to be everything for everybody, we can't clone ourselves, but the adoption world is, is in a lot of ways, like quicksand, like it just kind of sucks you in. Mm-hmm. And once you get in, you're never getting out. <laughs> Either that, or you've got your five-year term and you're, <laughs> I gotta get out. Right. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. Out of curiosity, when you have an employee and, you know, like you were kind of comparing them, you got your five-year ones and your lifers. What do you think the ratio is? I mean, because obviously, especially when you first get into this field, you're passionate about it and you're all in. But, uh, and it's not to criticize anybody. It is a very taxing lifestyle to continue. And, you know, that's for them to get out. But what do you think the ratio is between those that stay a little while and those that stay for, for the long haul? I can actually tell you that I don't think it's a ratio. I have watched this for 16 years. What I have found is that ultimately those connected to adoption, whether they have adopted, whether they were adopted, Mm -hmm. whether a family member has placed for adoption, those are the lifers. Really? Okay. Interesting. And the ones that are 
able to, you know, to, to, to finally, you know, cut the cord and, and walk away are those that don't have some type of actual, I don't want to say physical, but physical connection to, to adopt. I would say the ratio would depend on how much of the staff has that connection. Has been associated with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what I have seen is, you know, workers that want to adopt in the future, they won't, they won't leave. They understand, you know, that, that there are times in adoption where you just want to throw the computer through the window <laughs> or uh, you, yes, you want to, you know, take every paper and just shred it. Right. <laughs> so I think that really the connection and the draw is when the stability comes when there is a, a red string, basically, to adoption. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that, that have that, that pull, that force, uh, where they really, they really do stay. Now, that's not to say that we, we do have other women that have been with us that are lifers, um, that maybe don't have a direct connection to adoption, but maybe they are, they have a step parent adoption in their household, or they are raising their grandchildren and they're looking to adopt them. Or there's, there's other, you know, it's not just the classic adoptee, adoptive parents, birth mother. There, there are other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I rarely see people who are vested walk away. And then again, it can become a passion that you uh-huh. adopt that <laughs> you can't let go. And like, let me give you an example. And this will be a personal example for you mm-hmm. with regards to um, abortion. I personally don't ever think that your stance right now will ever lessen change or deviate from the feelings that you have today. Mm-hmm. I think because it will only increase. Huh? Because of my experiences that are personally connected to it. Right. But I think it will only increase and strengthen. And that happens in parallel sometimes with people who come into the adoption world. That makes a lot of sense. No, that, it, I was just kind of curious about how that kind of was manifested in the business and who stays, who who doesn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So this all-consuming career choice is really hard to explain to family and friends. I, one of my best friends in the world lives in San Diego and she, she and I have been friends since I was 12. And when I graduated from college in Arizona and we both had kids at the same time, you know, she would come out and we would go to the movies and we would go do girls nights and we stopped going to the movies. Uh, years ago because me stepping out into the lobby and missing, you know, five to 20 minutes of a movie right. got to the point where she would say, you know what? I, I love you as a but friend. But I can't watch and, a movie with you. Yeah. We're not going to movies anymore. Right. And uh, to be fair, we haven't gone to a movie in over, I think eight or nine years. And I understand. And, right. and I'm not offended by it. No. I, I absolutely understand. And she isn't trying to hurt your feelings by saying she doesn't want, but yeah, I totally get that. 
But after dipping out of movie after movie and then having to come back in and say, what happened? You know, it, it's, no, nobody wants What that. I miss. And I completely understand, yeah. So <laughs> it's hard to explain to somebody on the outside of the adoption world that this isn't a job that you can walk away from. And it's not something that, oh, it's five o'clock, punch your time card. Right. And now you don't have to think about it. It's not that, you know, babies are born 24 seven, 365. Yes. They're born on Christmases and New Year and (laughs) Thanksgiving and 4th of July, every holiday you can imagine. They don't stop having babies. It is. (laughs) And that really can take a toll on your family. I I know uh, it was maybe three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. It was Christmas morning. And I had two of my caseworkers that were signing adoption consents. I'm sure this affected your Christmas morning as well. It was about nine o'clock in the morning on Christmas morning. And there was a little bit of an issue with the consents. And it was, actually, no, it was earlier. It was probably about eight o'clock in the morning. And we were right in the middle of unwrapping presents. So I told a white lie and told my kids I had to run to the restroom really quickly. So I run behind like the door so they can't see me. And I'm on the phone with the caseworker giving instructions on how to handle the crisis. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, peeking around the corner to make sure none of the kids are going to catch me on the phone. Right. Because obviously that coveted time of opening gifts and everything else. But the way I was looking at it is we have a birth mother that's willing to make a lifelong decision. Mm-hmm. I have two caseworkers that are in person working with this birth mother to help her sign consents. Yeah. I am going to be a team player and step aside and help them through it. That had to happen. Right. And it did. And they say that a good boss will never ask you or tell you to do anything that they're not willing to do themselves. And, you know, I can attest for you, for Lisa, all of us, really, we have made these sacrifices through the years over and over. I mean, even when I was dating Lisa, it was... Okay, we'll go to a movie, but she's going to have to duck out two or three times almost every time. She's We're going to go sit at a coffee shop, and I won't be able to talk to her and get to know her because she's on the phone talking to a case manager or a birth mother and putting out fires and dealing with crises. And so it is. It's a lifestyle that I have grown accustomed to and even grown to love, you know, even with all of its flaws. It is. It is. It is. I, I can't tell you how many... Three of my girls have been in choir uh, Mm -hmm. at the high school and there's different levels of choir. And so obviously, you know, as a parent, they don't allow you to leave after your child has sung in their part. So you get to sit for the other hour. Certainly. Everybody else's child's in. (laughs) And it never fails. Never. That when it's my child's time, there's the phone and right. <laughs> it's the service, so I know it's really serious and I've got to step out. That's when I'm whispering to my husband, start recording, you know, cause I, I want to be I able to say this. that I saw it. Mm-hmm. And in those moments you do become resentful at times because mm-hmm. you think I don't want to sacrifice my time as a parent, but at the same time, when you make a commitment to somebody else who is sacrificing, you know, their lives as well. Right. You have, you have to make sure that you're doing your part. So I have missed that moment in the choir concert, or I have missed, you know, that incredible football tackle that I, I wish I hadn't missed. That you can't uh, get back, certainly. 
at the same time, I want to make sure that that we're teaching our children that there's a lot of pluses. You know, we're we're blessed in the sense that that both my husband and I, like you and Lisa, are in the same field. And so we understand very much what the sacrifices are. And we're teaching our children, you know, this is a great way of giving back. So we do encourage them to volunteer time and, you know, help put stamps on envelopes and things like that because it's important and we do want them, like we said earlier, to adopt our passion <laughs> and and share in our beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's vital to show a child and a young person what commitment looks like and what that entails. Again, you know, the positives and the negatives of it, but how just blessed you can be for making a commitment and holding to it and and doing the right thing. So I think that's impressive that your kids understand that. And sure, there's going to be times they resent it, but I think it will lead them to be a more fulfilled life. How much longer do you have to text as we're watching the series and how much? Yeah, they do. It's it's too hard. It doesn't make it easy, but I mean, that's what a pause button is for. And if if, if that's such a great scene that we don't want to pause it, then that's on me. Keep playing it and I'll keep texting and I'll catch right back up. So it's... There's lots of ways to kind of you know, make it, it a little bit. But I thought it would be really fun to uh, have some of our kids come on and if I can grab a few okay. uh, and see what, you know, their perception is. And uh, they're not going to be coached. They're not, um, <laughs> they have an idea of what it's about, but you know, I'm not pushing a button on a robot. So we're going to get an unvarnished truth from a family member. I like it. I asked one of our kiddos to come in and talk today because I thought it would be fun for our listeners to hear what their perspective is on having two parents that work in the adoption world, as well as one of them having been adopted. So I know that our our work in the adoption field spills over into our family life. Yes. And I know that sometimes that's not always positive. Sometimes. It is. It depends. Um, so, like, when we have babies come down, it's not just on you guys because then we have to, like, some of, like, Emma will watch the kid. So, it is, like, we're also involved. And then, like, we have to keep the house, like, sanitized and safe, especially, like, right now for the corona because it's a baby house. Okay. It definitely le- it leaks over. It's not just like a regular nine to five because not only you guys work at home, it's the home is sort of like your second office. Agreed. So what is something that you love about us working in the adoption world versus something that you very much dislike about us working in the adoption world? Okay. I love to see y'all's faces when you get like a new baby or you make like a match because that makes you guys like the happiest in the world. I don't like your hours because you could be working till like eight or like even midnight. It just depends. So the, the sketchy hours I don't like, but the outcomes are always good. Okay. And how do you feel that that affects you in terms of your life? And in other words, do you think that it robs you of time? It definitely takes away, but it's not that big of a deal because it's not like all the time, but it definitely like does take away because you'll either be on the phone or you'll be 
having to figure some like affidavit or something with your workers or on the phone with your workers or figuring out like which baby goes where or to which hospital. So I have to say you you are a really good sport. I know it was That's a- from your favorite <laughs> a few years ago. <laughs> It was back to school night and we did have a baby. And so I had the baby with me and we had to go in and do the meet the teacher night. And so Logan and Emma were very understanding and, you know, didn't vocalize any embarrassment or anything as I'm carrying around, you know, a newborn and meeting all of their teachers. Can I say one other thing? I just thought of this right now that like, isn't really good for like your kids. Like since you guys work in such a like in the industry where you see a very bad you see a lot of drugs yeah, and a lot, a lot of drugs, unplanned pregnancy alcohol. yeah yeah so like how you guys are honestly like not overbearing but you're overprotective in a lot of ways because of what you see and if you're working like in construction or like as a nurse or something you wouldn't be so it's like a dentist your de- dentist kids are always going to make their kids brush their teeth okay so you're saying that that our work opinions are spilling over into our parenting Yes, obviously. Okay. Is that positive or negative? Well, it's both. So, like, obviously, it's it's positive when it counts. So, like, if I, like you guys don't want us to go to parties that much. So, like, if I was going to go to a party and you said no, and then that party got shot up, it would have been a bad thing. It would have been a good thing. Like, God did good. But if it didn't, so it's very, it's iffy. So you're saying that because we see things in our work like drugs and unplanned yeah. pregnancies and rape situations yeah. that were more protective and that influences our parenting. And so it limits what you're able to do as a teenager. Yes. That we're able to do what we're able to like go experience. Like you know, the high school experience hasn't been like the best, but I don't know where she is. Do you think that the fact that we do deal with so many unplanned pregnancies is a great form of um, sex education? Yeah. Yeah. All the stories around the dinner table. Yeah. We don't want to have any unplanned pregnancies while we're under the age of 18 while we cannot financially support any of our surprises. Okay. What do you tell your friends about what we do and how you Mm. feel about it? Influence the next generation you're putting people or putting someone that might not have the best opportunities uh, in a way better place and they could be the person to cure cancer or create the next big social media app like you're changing the generation you're saving it how do you think that my adoption my personal adoption experience affects the family or the household or our work well i think well especially like the you're adoption i think guided you into the field that you're in as well as like the dke foundation that's helped so many people so i think that's in your at least your work life that's helped in your personal life i don't really know how that's really changed besides like the obvious fact that like we have like two sets of grandparents and stuff like that but i don't think you really let that change who you are as a person okay One thing I know about the adoption industry and people who are in it, at least on our end with me and Lisa, is that almost every family member that you have gets drawn into this business as well. Um, Lisa has had brothers, sisters. My son does quite a bit of work for her. 
are you guys, I know you're a little bit younger at the moment, you know, but you're getting to adulthood and I know that she has you doing some things for the company. What kind of things do you do in the adoption field yourself? You passed up flyers. Oh yeah, we guess we did. Yes, you did. Um, you take yeah, the boss good. fishing. We, yeah, I took mom fishing, <laughs> caught her I boost the morale. There oh, you go. Okay. Now, before you had talked about how it is more difficult being the child of somebody who works in this field, because they do see the the darker side, the raw side of life and the hardships that some people's decisions make them go through. And you've said that that's hard because you are a little more restricted than, say, some of your friends. But tell me honestly, do you think in the future, as you become an adult and start building your own life, do you think that will serve you in a positive manner? Well, I think that this is probably not the best philosophy, but I think the best thing, at least for how I work as an individual, like I learn from experience. I don't really learn from people's like stories. So I think that in some aspects it would be, I'd rather get burned than someone tell me about getting burned because mm-hmm. you link, that becomes more linked in your head. So like in some aspects I'd like, it'd be better for your parents to make you make mistakes as long as they're not going to like destroy your future. So what career would you like to go into if you, what are you pursuing? Uh, I'm going to go into the Navy as either an intelligence specialist or a nuclear engineer, mm-hmm. depending on where I get my ASVAB. After that, after I do eight or four years, I will go uh, either get my master's. So if I go into, as a nuclear engineer, I'll, I can go to school for free and get my master's in nuclear engineering because how the Navy does it is you can, you'll get college credits when they teach you. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll, I can leave my bachelor's after eight years, then go get my master's. Or if I go into uh, intelligence uh, specialist, then I'm going to go get my master's or my bachelor's in criminology or psychology and then go into FBI. Okay. So now both of those avenues, they take a lot of study. They take a lot of dedication commitment. Now, do you think seeing Kelly and Adam, your father, and their dedication and commitment in their career and how much they have forsaken for the career, do you think that's going to help guide you and give you that structure you need as you get through this aspect of your life? Well, yeah, for a couple of reasons. First of all, they lead by example. We see how successful they've been, not just monetarily or financially, but how happy they've become and how much how much they've changed other people's lives so we see that and we and we've seen the work that goes into it and it's we they lead by example mm-hmm. and not only that but they're they to work in a field as adoption they have a very high mental fortitude they can get through a lot and they've passed that on to us they passed on a really good work ethic they're just like they're someone we can lean on like i'm i'm guaranteeing the navy's not going to be easy and i'm going to want to call mom be like hey mom like this sucks right now but I just want to talk to you. I miss you guys. Like, so yeah, no, they're going to be amazing assets for us in the future. I got to say that I've worked with you, like for instance, doing the roofing on a house and just, I've seen you work and you, you aren't a slacker. You're somebody who will put in the effort needed to get a job done. And so I think what, no matter which Avenue you take, you're going to be successful. And I think that's, a testament to Adam and Kelly and how they've raised you and how they've shown you what hard work gives you and 
how you have to put yourself forward. So, uh, you know, I've got no doubts on, on your future. Definitely Reese is right, that's for sure. So this is Ava. She is almost 16 and pretty much her whole life, actually her whole life, I have worked in the adoption world. I was pregnant with her when I started the agency with Angie. And so she has never known anything different. She has always been in the adoption world and watched it from, from the outside and the inside, pretty much looking in since I'm adopted. Is the adoption world something that you would ever want to work in? No. How come? Um, you just seem busy all the time. Okay. I know that when I have gone and uh, done, we've done videos and things at the office with some of the women, mm-hmm. you really like to go. Oh, yeah. It was really, that was a really cool experience. Okay. What is it you like about going? Because you, you ask me frequently if you can go and be there. And you like to interact with a lot of the birth mothers. Yeah, that's what I like the most. Just seeing who they are and like the type of people they are and the different kinds of women that come in. It's really cool. What's cool about it? Just getting to know like their lives, their lives. Yeah. <laughs> and have you learned from them? Yes, I have. What are some things that you've taken away? I know some of them when they come up to when, when you're standing by me and you're, you know, you're holding uh, a camera for me or my phone or something, they'll come up and they'll say, is that your daughter? And, and I smile and nod. And then they'll kind of talk to you a little bit mm-hmm. and your whole face will light up when that happens. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? I just like talking to different people. I just think it's cool to see the experiences they're going through and hear about that. So, Do you think you've learned anything from it? Um, I've learned how like they just seem so relieved to have like an option. That's because I remember looking at one first, one girl and she was just ecstatic to to be able to adopt your baby. To place your baby for adoption? Yeah. Yeah. How much do you think that my personal adoption experience has influenced what I do? I think it's inspired you. Okay. And how do you, because I know you don't know any differently because um, obviously you've always had a mom who was adopted, but what do you tell your friends? Like, how do you bring up what I do for a living and the fact that I was adopted? Do you ever talk about it? Uh, I talk about like what you do for a living and never, I mean, sometimes bring up the fact that you're adopted if they continue to ask about it more. Uh, I usually just say that you own an adoption agency and um, a foundation. Okay. And I know sometimes you like passing out literature and brochures at school. (laughs) Yeah. And why do you like to do that? I just like to support you. Do you like to support me as a mom or do you like to support the mission of adoption? Both. When it comes to your friends, and we talked about this a little bit with Logan also, but do you notice a difference? Obviously, there's certain things that them working in the adoption field is going to be different. I mean, it's a 24-hour-a-day job. You can't count on being able to sit down with mom and dad and watch a movie. It's, you know, here goes the phone again. Mom's got to go. And, you know, Adam's got to go and do something. You can't count on that time all the time. But what other differences do you see in your life due to their career that you see in your friends' lives, for instance? Or is you just don't notice that, maybe? I, I don't notice Do you it. think that we're stricter because of what we see? Oh, yeah, you're way stricter. <laughs> <laughs> 
In what ways? She's very cautious about whenever I go out. Mm-hmm. Um, she just gets, you just get weird about certain things. <laughs> okay, that's okay to talk yeah. about it. Like, yeah. like what? I don't know. Whenever we're talking with my friend, either you or whenever I, um, I don't know. <laughs> I can't do you think it. that because of what we see, drug use and um, a lot of unplanned pregnancies and rape situations and things like that, do you think that we are more open in terms of how we talk to you about those things? Yeah. Do you think that we are more um, restrictive because we don't want you to go down the avenues of what we see on a daily basis? Yeah, I do. How does that affect you? It can be a bit much sometimes, <laughs> but uh, I, I know you care, so I appreciate it. I think these are probably as realistic teenage answers <laughs> as anybody could get. Absolutely. Now, do you think that will su- serve you in the future there? I mean, sure, they're restrictive, but do you think that'll help you go, you know what, there's a reason that they were that way? Do you think it's a good thing? Or? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm just curious because yeah, I look at be- when I was a kid and my mom would say, no, I don't want you going and staying out till one o'clock in the morning with your friends. <laughs> at the time, I was a little resentful, but even back then in the back of my head, I was like, I know she's right. But, of course, yeah, I didn't I mean, like it still. <laughs> <laughs> what is the hardest thing that you think, as a child, of parents that work in the adoption world is? What's the hardest aspect? The amount of time you have to work. That's interesting to me that you would choose that over us being more restrictive. Yeah, i just rather just spend time with you, you know? Yeah. I think I'm going to cry. That was the sweetest thing. <laughs> that yeah. was nice. I will say there was there was something that uh, both Adam and I, I think it was a, a realization. As parents, you're, you're going all the time and you're working all the time. And, and sometimes you don't stop and see really how it's perceived by others. And there was an art project that you had to do where you made a shield. <laughs> oh. And this will be the last question that we asked you. Okay. But will you, will you talk about that shield and what it was supposed to be and what you we did? And it, was it last year? It was this year. Okay. Or last year, whatever. It was an art project, right? It was an art project, and it was a shield, and there was four spaces, and you had to do, like, your hobbies, something that represents your family, something you want to get better at, and then future goals, I think. And so for the family, I just did time, and then I did a, like, a big phone. <laughs> so that was, um, I think that, that, you know, and she turned, obviously, this paper into the teacher, and... It was it was one of those moments that you look back on you and you think that's really not what we, you know, would have wanted to be reflected as, but it was real and it was raw. Thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. If you're listening and you're dealing with an unplanned pregnancy and want more information about adoption, Building Arizona Families is a local Arizona adoption agency and available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112. That's 623-695-4112. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get started 
started on creating an Arizona adoption plan or just get you more information. You can also find out more information about Building Arizona Families on their website at azpregnancyhelp.com. Thanks also go out to Grapes for allowing us to use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Birth Mother Matters and Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to us. We'd really appreciate it. We also now have a website at birthmothermatterspodcast.com. Tune in next time on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Raines.